I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. And now, broadcasting live, it's time for the Kick-Ass Radio Show. Your place for motivation, inspiration, and edumacation. Each week, our host, Christopher Rausch, and his guest share what it takes for you to have an unstoppable attitude for your personal and professional success. And now, for your host, Mr. Kick-Ass himself. It's And it's my life, and that's Bon Jovi, because you are here on the Kick-Ass Radio Show. We're broadcasting live from our studios here in sunny, warm, muggy California. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Radio Show, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Christopher Rausch, and we've got a kick-ass show for you this evening. Uh, we'll be introducing my guest here in just a few moments, but just want to remind you guys that here on the Kick-Ass Radio Show, we teach you how to have an unstoppable attitude for personal and professional success. So I really encourage you, if you're listening and you're not driving uh, your motor vehicle right now, uh, make sure you have pen and paper handy because the tips that myself and my guests are going to be sharing tonight are, are going to be invaluable to you and your success moving forward. If you've ever given a presentation, whether it's a personal presentation, a professional presentation, if you do any type of uh, grouped activities at work, if you're a professional speaker, I know I've got professional speakers out there and coaches, you're going to want to tune into the show tonight and you want to want to take notes because my guest tonight is just phenomenal. And uh, we're here every Monday night at 6 p.m. live bringing you guests who share their story and they share five kick-ass tips that you can begin using immediately. And that's the key thing. The stuff that we talk about is stuff that you can apply immediately in your life because that's where the action happens. I don't want stuff to take three months for it to have action. Literally, if you take what me and my guests share with you tonight and you start putting it into play, you'll see results immediately. I promise you. It's, it's been proven over and over again. We're on show number, let's see, uh, we are on show number, that's interesting, uh, the format changed, huh, the, we are on show number, let's just change that. We're on 100, we've done 119 episodes of the Kick-Ass Radio Show. Uh, so when you think about that, 119 episodes times five tips that's got to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 tips, something like that. Uh, so if you want to go back and check out those shows, I really encourage you to go do that. We've had some amazing guests on here. We've had New York Times bestselling authors. We've, had, we've talked about um, uh, all sorts of stuff. I mean, I, my brain just goes foggy when I start thinking about it, actually. Uh, but if you want to go back and listen to those shows, just head over to my website. It's ChristopherRausch.com. R-A-U-S-C-H, ChristopherRoush.com. Go over to the radio show tab, and you will find uh, halfway down there's a link to iTunes where all the shows get to uh, – they go to podcast. So you can listen to literally all 119 shows and take five of those tips and start putting them into play. And I can't even imagine the success that you would enjoy uh, from that because, look, again, we've had uh, a, a super array of, of guests on here who really have just been inspiring from a personal and professional aspect for even me. 
And uh, I even take notes every single time I listen to the show the next day uh, because this is important stuff. I don't have all the answers just because I'm a motivational speaker and coach and everything. Uh, so I listen, I take notes, and I apply it also in my life. That's half the reason why I even do this show. Uh, selfishly, is for me. So um, if you happen to be uh, wanting to call in and talk to my guest or myself tonight, uh, the number is 646-378-1582. Again, that's 646-378-1582. Or you can send me questions via Twitter. Uh, I'm at kickassguide, uh, G-U-I-D-E, kickassguide. You can do that. Of course, I know a lot of you guys follow me on Facebook. You're welcome to send me a Facebook instant message. I've got my Facebook up there. Uh, you know, We just take the questions any way you want them, but we'd love to have live callers call in. Um, and speaking of guests, last week, a uh, really special show, honestly. Uh, Dan Spangler was on my show. He and his buddy um, uh, Joe, I'm going to forget his name all of a sudden, uh, Joe Trainer. He and his buddy Joe Trainer, uh, along with Spanky, his dog, and uh, Joe's dog, I can't remember that, uh, set out on a an adventure where they traveled 6,000 miles to and from uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, to raise awareness and raise money for uh, vets with pets. Uh, truly an inspirational show. Um, let's see, Dan, uh, his his femur is jammed up through his hip socket. Uh, so he, you know, they traveled the 6,000 miles walking and hitching rides and stuff like that. Uh, Joe is currently losing his eyesight and is going to be blind in probably a couple of months. So just a really inspiring uh, episode. And mostly what we talked about is the fact that we have to take risks. I mean, you talk about Dan uh, came back from the military with this with this uh, problem. They want to do a bunch of operations on it. Uh, he's not ready for that at this point. But we talked about taking risks and just following your passion. You know, on this show, we talk so much about following passion. And that episode just really is, is absolutely, I mean, the guys just literally walked out of the gate at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, with $50 in their, in, their, in their pack, and they said, we're going to go out there and we're going to meet nice people, we're going to raise awareness, and I think they raised over somewhere of $25,000 so that vets can keep their pets when they come back because he was talking about how Spanky just really kept him alive, you know, and I've heard that from a few vets where they're, they're the, only, the only person they could really trust, the only animal they could trust is their dog because other people, civilians don't understand what it's like to be in hand-to-hand combat and stuff like that, so it was really super cool. And at the end, we just talked about, you know, quit your bitching. Um, there's always somebody that has it worse than us. So I think that's just really cool. It was a very inspiring show. Uh, we gave the, the tips on there. So just go back and listen to that again. Just go to ChristopherRoush.com, uh, the radio show tab. You can see it. You can hear them, and uh, it's, it's phenomenal. So I really appreciate it if you did that. Um, and, and my guest tonight, I've had the pleasure of seeing him speak on a few occasions. Uh, his name is Ed Tate, and he is an award-winning international keynote speaker, trainer, author, executive, and motivational movie star. He is also known as the speaker who energizes, educates, and entertains. And I can actually vouch for that. Ed is uh, an incredible speaker. He's one of the speakers that actually got me into speaking. I don't know if he knows that or not. Uh, Ed won the uh, quote-unquote American Idol of Public Speaking when he became the 2000 World Champion of Public Speaking through Toastmasters uh, International Highest Speaking Award. And I can tell you guys that once upon a time when I was a, a nice little Toastmaster, I had a dream and I had uh, the belief that I could become the world champion of public speaking. And for uh, a multitude of reasons, I didn't continue my relationship with the Toastmasters organization. But I am just super, super stoked to have with us tonight Mr. Ed Tate. 
uh, is going to be on here. He's going to be sharing uh, what to do with the five common mistakes of uh, presenters make, and we're going to just be talking about all sorts of stuff. So you guys can be kick-ass speakers and presenters out there because at the end of the day, whatever you're doing, you're going to be speaking and you're going to be presenting yourself. So you want to make sure you're doing it well. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Ed Tate. Are you there tonight? Christopher, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. If I was up any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> great, great, great. Well, first of all, before I start, number one, I want to congratulate you on your 119th episode uh, of doing your own show. That is absolutely – that just blew me away. I'm thinking like, wow, this is this is one of these ideas. I said to myself, hey, one day I'm going to do it, but you you actually went out and just and did it. And also, I also want to acknowledge uh, Dan Sp- Spangler and Joe Trainer. And they've, you've just shared with me something that I've always known about trying to achieve any type of goal. And you focus on the what, you don't focus on the how. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, what they do is they focus, you know, say, for example, they have a goal. You know, they want to run their own business or, you know, um, you know, or, you know, ask this person out for a date. You know, it could be as simple as that. They, they focus on, you know, um, they focus on the how. And the how gets in the way. For example, when I when I won the world championship of public speaking, I had no bloody idea as to how I was going to win this competition. But I was very, very focused on the what. And it's been my experience that if you focus on what you want, the how will show up. And you talked oh, about absolutely. earlier about about passion. So you know, you, you and I were just talking, and I I, I hope I'm not you know you know. Um, Sharing you know personal information here, but you and your wife are about to adopt, and you gotta you gotta focus on you know you gotta focus on the what, and the how will happen. Does that make sense? Oh, oh, absolutely. I, that's one of the things I teach the most is let's focus on what your why is, and then the how's like a, a no brainer. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, so I, anyway, I, hey, thank you. And uh, let's see, I actually looked up when we met. We met uh, back in uh, two thousand and four. When uh, when you were with, uh, I believe you were still with Patty. Is that correct? Yep, I'm actually uh, I still I'm still there. 22 years later. <laughs> oh well, hey, well, congratulations. So yeah, I spoke twice uh, there, and uh, and I'm glad you. I was the inspiration for you going out there and get it. You know, um, if it wasn't going to be me, it was going to be somebody else. The way I feel about it, you probably had this inside you anyway, and based on your 119 episodes, that turned out to be true. Yeah, it is. It really, I've always had the gift of gab, and I just love I love inspiring people and motivating people to get you know past their own crap. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's it's it really is. I remember seeing you speak there, and I was just like, wow, this guy's got a lot of information, and I could be up there sharing my information as well. And honestly, it's uh it's been a blast. I love doing it, and the show's been just absolutely phenomenal. It's it's interesting, Ed, because back in the day, I was I. Had, played around with wanting to do a podcast. I'm like, well, you know, maybe one day I'll do a podcast on this or this or that. And then I was in my mastermind group and my friends were like, you know, what would we were started talking about our dreams. And they said, you know, what, what was your dream as a kid? And I said, my dream was to be a radio DJ. I wanted to get on and, and spin tunes and talk to people about life. And somebody in the group says, well, why don't you do that right now? And I said, well, back in the day, I, I, you know, I tried to get on to all the local L.A. radio stations and all the AM stations and everything. And, you know, it just wasn't happening for me because I didn't start in Podunk, Nebraska on the Weather Channel. So um, <laughs> they, said, they said, well, now you can do Internet radio, Chris. You can actually have your own show. And because our mastermind is about accountability, I said, all right, all right, I'll, I'll, I will have a, I'll have a radio show in two weeks. 
And uh-huh. uh, lo and behold, I, I had to put the uh, the pedal to the metal, and I created the Kick-Ass Radio Show. And uh, thank you, Ed. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been a blast. We've had a really, really, I've been blessed. We've had so many different uh, a diversity of guests that just at the end, they come on here, and they just are able to make my life and the lives of the listeners just that much more better um, with with the variety of different things we talked about. I mean, we've talked about domestic abuse. We've talked about bullying. We've talked about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. We've talked about speaking and coaching and, and just the relations. I mean, we just, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. And now it's going to even be more awesome because you are on here uh, and you're going to share your expertise with my listeners. But I gave you guys, I gave the listeners our, uh, a textbook introduction of you. Ed, tell everybody about yourself and, and what your story is and what makes you a kick-ass guy. Uh, well, well, thank you much. I appreciate that. Um, let's see. You've already introduced me as a world champion of public speaking, and uh, for those of you who don't understand what that means, uh, think of it as the American Idol of public speaking. You know, uh, it's a uh, it's public speaking beauty contest, if you will. Nine month competition, <laughs> six different rounds, thirty five thousand contestants. In the year two thousand, I won the entire competition. Let me share with you a little backstory about that because I think it ties in directly into what you've done. For example, you you know you had accountability partners. And they said, hey, you know, you're going to start your own radio show. By the way, I'm a former radio disc jockey. I did that for four years. It was like the most fun job I ever had in my life. I absolutely loved it. And, um, and, and, but that's another story altogether. But anyway, getting back to the, the, cha- the world championship, I had people, again, have you ever had people who see things in you that you don't see yourself? It's right oh, underneath yeah. your nose. Have oh, you ever yeah. had that experience? Huh. And, and I'm sure your listeners have had that. Well, in, in my case, at my Toastmasters Club, Cherry Creek Toastmasters in Denver, Colorado, they kept saying, hey, you're pretty good, you're pretty good, you're pretty good. You should enter this contest. It's called the World Championship of Public Speaking. Now, privately, I thought, hey, I'm pretty good around here, and that's, a, that's, as, that's as far as it goes. And to enter this something called the World Championship of Public Speaking, I said, there's no way. But it got to the point where, again, I, the guy by the name of Randall Shelton, who saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. And he said, hey, I really, I, I really think you should do this. And I got irritated with him. And I, I, I said, you know, I'm going to enter this contest. The moment I lose, we no longer have to have this discussion. <laughs> well, yep. and I'm serious. I mean, that is is I put my hand on the Bible. That is the honest truth. My in, my real reason for entering the contest was to get Randall Shelton off my back. Well, <laughs> love it. So I, I enter the you know the local contest, the club contest. Well, you know, honestly, I won the competition, but I thought Randall had kind of set it up. You know, so I never really counted it. So I went to the second round, and then you know you know I'm thinking like, okay, this is easy, this is easy, this is easy, and then I finally got to the fourth round. Fourth round, things got serious. Fourth round is like there's hundreds of people who show up in this room. I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, this is, this is a real deal, and I was fortunate enough to make it through that. And then uh, finally I made it into I made it to the, um, the, the, the last round. You know, uh, This is when we, there's only eight, uh, nine competitors on the stage. And I had a buddy of mine who just, he, he just he called me up, and he said, Ed, and, he, and this is the first time I heard the numbers. He says, you know, he says, so far you defeated like 35,000 people around the world. He says, it's just the nine of you, you know. Um, and I never looked at it that before. And I said to myself, well, I think I can take these eight, you know. Um, and I said to myself, what would happen if I just played full out? What, if, what would happen if I just played 
you know, I may never get this chance again. You know, so who knows? I may have been lucky up until now, but what would happen if I just played full out? I have no control over the final decision because, again, you're judged by 32 judges. But if I played full out, I mean, I worked, you know, I would, the only thing I could control was my rehearsals and my practice. And I was committed to the point where I said, no one's going to outwork me. I may not win the contest, but that's not the point. No one is going to outwork me. And I gave the performance of a lifetime, and it changed my life. I got to tell you, uh, since that time, I've been around the world nine times. And again, I'm not trying to brag here, but what I'm what I'm suggesting that your listeners pay attention to is what's that thing that you're passionate about? What's that that goal or that objective? What's that? What's your someday? You know that thing that you say to yourself that someday I'll do this and someday I'll do that. Well, what Mm -hmm. what would happen if you played full out and you went after it? You know what? A couple things are going to happen. Number one, you may not succeed at it. Number two, you will grow from it. When you, when you pursue whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, you grow from it. And there's absolutely no exception to that rule. There's a guy by the name of Todd Seiler. Todd wrote a book called um, uh, Think Like a Genius. You don't have to be a genius to think like one. That's the subtitle. Now, Todd, he is an actual <laughs> He he is actually a certified genius. Really, He's, you know, a former past president of Mensa. He has let's see, he has over two hundred patents in the U.S. Patent Office, and he actually has about a dozen uh, works of art in the Louvre in Paris. So he's a Renaissance man. One day we we sit down, we have lunch, and we have a conversation. I said, Hey, well, what what makes you successful? He says, He says, you know, don't be. Uh, impressed with my intelligence. He says, intelligence is nothing more than concentration and persistence. And I said, well, what do you mean? So he, he took out an eight and a half, uh, piece, uh, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And in the lower right-hand corner of the piece of paper, he says, let's say this is a goal that you want to achieve. So he put that in the lower right-hand corner. And in the upper left-hand corner, he says, this is going to be a start. Now, he says, regardless of the goal that you're achieving, it's not going to be a a straight line, a 45-degree angle to go from the start to the goal. And he just drew this real squiggly line. I mean, it was just went every direction that you can imagine. He says, this is what the path looks like. (laughs) He says, unfortunately, uh, on this road to your goal, he says, you're going to encounter an obstacle. And let's say it's, it's a wall. He says, sadly... Most people, when they're pursuing a goal, when they hit that wall, they stop. It stops them. He says, not me. He says, look, when I see an obstacle, it's something that's stopping me. He says, I ask myself the following questions. How can I go over, over it? How can I go under it? How can I go around it? And if I have to, how can I go through it? It's not going to stop me from getting to my goal. And he says, there's going to be other obstacles on the road. And he says, that's going to be my, my philosophy. He says, I'm, I'm focused and I'm persistent. And I'm going to figure out a way to crack the puzzle to get around that, that objective, whatever it may be. And then he says, oh, and then he says eventually, you're going to encounter a, uh, an obstacle that you didn't encounter before. As opposed to it being a wall, it might be a corner. It's a different type of obstacle. And again, you still have to go past that. He says, the reason I have these many patents, the reason I've been so successful in my life and my career is because I've been focused and I'm persistent. And he says, you know what? You don't need, you know, uh, Mensa-level intelligence to do that. 
He says, I will bet on the person who is persistent and who's focused all day long over the person who's, who is a genius. He says, because it's almost been, uh, he says, it's almost a cliche. That smart man, that smart woman who's absolutely brilliant, who didn't live up to expectations, who didn't live up to their potential. But they got out hustled by that person who was focused and who was persistent. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. It, it- Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and thanks for sharing that. And for those of you guys just joining us, we're on the Kick-Ass Radio Show. My guest tonight, Ed Tate, uh, previous world champion, a chip of public speaking in 2000, awesome guy. Ed, you just reminded me of something. It, 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 uh, general, general, frick, I keep forgetting the, uh, mm-hmm. famous general said a, I always forget his name, I don't know why, I'm about to write it down. Okay. Uh, a, a violently executed plan today is better than a well played well out well played out plan tomorrow or something like that. Uh, general, uh-huh. I, one of the big generals in life. But he was just talking about because sometimes we want we wait for everything to be perfect and we line everything up. But it's the person that like with this. I started the radio show and I was like, oh crap, what am I going to do? And I went on there and I researched it and I did it and I you know just get better and better and have more fun. And, Get more listeners and everything, and it's just, but it, it, it's kind of, uh, it reminds me of Darren Hardy's book, uh, The Compound Principle. It was so. Oh, yeah, I love that book. Yeah, I mean, it's just so, it's like, okay, do this, and then you get a little bit better, and then that happens, and then this happens, and that happens, and you look back, and you're like, holy crap, look at the string of events that got me to where I'm at today. And it's like, you're, you're so right. So many people just give up right away, um, and they don't give themselves a chance, and they live in a, you know, a pool of regret for the rest of their lives. Yeah, um, let's see. I've heard this expression: "Sloppy progress beats perfection." So just mm-hmm. start, you know, just start. Yeah. Whatever it is that you, you that you want out of out of life here. But anyway, yeah. but, but uh, that you know a little bit more about my background to answer your original question. I'm a former executive in the computer industry. Did that for about 17 years or so. And my first job, um, my first real job, was in college, and I was a disc jockey on FM 107 WPGU in Champaign, Illinois. Did that for four and a half years. Um, that actually helped help me pay for school, and like I said before, there's nothing like uh, a radio job. So, yeah. So, what's going to stop you from doing your own Ed Tate radio show live on the the Kickass Network? <laughs> Ooh, I just came up with an idea. Priorities, you know, um, you know, uh, priorities. I have I have very specific priorities. I'm a, I'm a I'm very focused when it comes to goals and objectives. For example, I just I, I got married uh, last April. My wife, she's actually from South Africa, and we're going through um, like you're going through Gorgeous, the adoption process right now. Thank you. Uh, we're going through the you know the the green card uh, process, which is a lengthy process. You know, so that's my number one priority. That's my number one focus is to make sure that my wife can you know to stay here in the United States, but also travel back and forth without uh, any challenges, etc. So that's that's priority number one uh, for us. Um, and then I have some other priorities with uh, which are around my business. For example, I'm going to be changing my business structure a little bit later really? on this year. So. Um, well, you know, I'm just, it's nothing, it's, I'm going to change it from several different perspectives. Number one is I'm currently um, an LLC, and for those of you who are um, entrepreneurs, it's a way of protecting yourself just in case you say something stupid and <laughs> someone attempts to sue you, okay? Um, Limited yeah, exactly. And my 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 accountants they they want me to be an S corporation. So there's you know a process we're going to go through there, and then there's other things within my business. Historically, I have been a keynote speaker. Um, I as you you met us at Lady and the Champs, um, and there's I'm going to be shifting my business model in terms of what I focus on because like in my business model I have a consulting practice, I have a coaching practice, training practice, a speaking practice, uh, and products and services. So I'm actually going to 
um, probably do less consulting, less coaching, more training and speaking, and more on the product side uh, of the equation. So those are some things that I'm going to be focusing on, in on towards the end of the year. New priorities will be available in January. So to answer your question, I'm already focused, and one of the things that that kind of sometimes the things that keep you from achieving your goals are you know the sidetracks. You know, yeah. being off the main track, <laughs> being distracted. Oh, that's, you know, pretty shiny. You know, that that looks good. Mm. Oh, pretty shiny. And I know what my focus is, is. I know what my goals are. I know what my objectives are for 2015. I'm locked and loaded with regard to that. And um, and then, like I said, 2016, this is something I, well, I'm definitely going to look at because I like the fact that you've done over 100 of these. And this is uh, something that I, this is in my wheelhouse. So I know this is something I definitely can do. Awesome, awesome. Well, when you're ready, if you, if I could be of any assistance, let me know. Um, we have a we have our first question that came in over uh, Twitter. Uh, it's uh-huh. a commonly asked question, and so I'm actually kind of surprised. But uh, they want your opinion on why speaking in public is the greatest fear out of anything in the world. What's your okay. take on that, Ed? Um, there's uh, there's a book, and um, it's oh man. Okay, I can't think of the name of the book right now. It's an anthology. And um, in this anthology, uh, they list, you know, unusual facts and figures. For example, your favorite celebrity, you know, who their arrest record. And um, it's called the Book of Lists. That's what it's called, the Book of Lists. Well, anyway, every year they list the top fear. And, that's, you know, what, what do you suppose the number one fear is? Public speaking. Um, right. I submit to you that the number one fear is not public speaking. The number one fear is public embarrassment. It's yep. public humiliation. Mm-hmm. That's what the number one fear is. And uh, to um, – anyway, so that's what the number one fear is. People don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be humiliated, et cetera. That's what they fear. Um, you know, I, I can think of a time when – God, I think it was in seventh or eighth grade, and it was a Mother's Day presentation or whatever, and – I'm speaking in front of the entire school, and I just froze. I just froze. And it wasn't necessarily the freezing. It was the aftermath, you know, the kids making fun (laughs) of you. Hey, you were such an idiot, et cetera. So that's what people truly, truly fear. Public speaking is is, is an active skill. And I believe that everyone could, no matter where you are, no matter if you, if you have English as a second language, I am a stutterer. There is no cure for stuttering. So if a person like myself can win the World Championship of Public Speaking, can make a career out of professional speaking, then there's hope for everyone. And so if, if you're not good at this skill, guess what? There's good news. You can get better at this skill. You can go to your local Toastmasters club. You can take a public speaking course at a community college. Or in, there, there's even online uh, resources which are available. So I think, again, it's not public speaking that people fear. It's public embarrassment. It's public humiliation. Yeah, it's so that's so true, Ed. And thanks for sharing that because it's really it really is. I mean, I, I when I work with people – um, who come to see me about you know getting some speaking training? Uh, I, I narrow it down. I said you know so what what is your fear? And we find out we peel back the onion. Like I said, and it's something that happened in the sixth grade, the fifth grade. It happened at their first you know presentation for their boss at their company. And you know we just work through and build up that self confidence to to not necessarily not care about what people think, but you know just to have yourself grounded in in what you know and as far as your material. And allowing yourself some flexibility to, you know, have fun with it. I mean, so many people get up there like, oh, my God, this is going to suck, and I have to 
present all this information, and then they take <laughs> half the fun out of it. And it's just like, just be you and go out there and give the best presentation you possibly can. And if you learn something, great. That's what you keep doing, and that's how you handle it. But let me ask you, with that with that in mind, Ed, you know, mm-hmm. you have 15, 15 years as a professional speaker. If if uh, I know I've got a couple of people listening tonight uh, who purposely are listening to this for the speaking aspect of it, what would you mm-hmm. say to somebody today who wants to enter public speaking? Because there's so much opportunity with social media that, I mean, that's what comes to my mind. But what are your opinions about that? Well, first of all, if, if you uh, – first of all, there's room for everyone. In the National Speakers Association, we have approximately 3,500 professional speakers, but there are far more speakers than that, not only in the United States, but throughout the globe. And the thing I, I'm inviting you to focus upon, just like you know, Christopher, like you're focused on, you're you're focusing on you know helping people get past you know the things that stop them. That's you know that's what your whole program's about is helping people get past their fears, get past those walls that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is you know how do you want to help the world? How do you know specifically how do you want to help the world? I'm a former executive in the computer industry for 17 years. For 17 years, I endured the the worst presentations on earth. <laughs> I will never ever be unemployed because that continues to happen to this day. You know, and and what we're going to get into like you know the five most common mistakes that people make, but that's where I decided I'm going to make a difference. Uh, in, you know, in in that one little lane. So the thing I would invite you to do is, where specifically can I help? What is what is my expertise? What's going to be my lane? Now you mentioned social media. Social media. It's a medium, and the medium is not the message. It's one of many different ways to get the word out about what it is that you do. So right. I'm going to go back and say, like, if you want to be a speaker, just like you, you know, Christopher, just like you started your radio show, you didn't know where to start. You just started. You just, you just, you just got up and and you went. That's step yep. number one. Number one, figure out what it is that you want to do. Number two, hey, there's other people like me. There's other people in my tribe who've been here, who've, who've had to have their start. Where should I go? We've talked about Toastmasters. I'm a member of the National Speakers Association, so that's another place that people can go. So there's a lot of people, there's lots, lots of organizations or lots of opportunities for you to practice your message. Again, repetition, 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 practice your message. Practice speaking out loud in front of people. It, that can be in church. That can be in schools. That can be there's a there's a myriad of different organizations. And once you find found, found fine tuned your message, then from there you the, I think the next step is for you to get some type of help, uh, be it coaching again. Uh, joining a professional association and going from there. And then that's when you start focusing on these different types of media. So social media, be it Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. You're using uh, the medium of uh, Internet radio, uh, your own blog posts, your own books, your your website. I mean, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of different ways of getting your messaging out. So focus on what your message is, who's going to be your audience, and then focus on how you're going to get the word out. But number one, start. If, if, if you want – if this is something that you think you want to do, start. Be it speaking, be it cooking, be it – like my wife, she is a former microbiologist. She loves cosmetics. She actually went back and got a degree on cosmetic science because she loves cosmetics so much. So she just – you know what? She's starting. She's beginning. She's she has a, she has her own website. She's got her own blog posts. She doesn't know where this is going to go, but guess what? She started. 
And so that's the first thing you have to do is to start. Do not talk yourself out of it. Quick story. <laughs> Okay, quick story. Don't talk yourself out of the game. Uh, when I was in high school, painfully shy, again, and I think it was a result of growing up with a starter, uh, starting problem. Anyway, I had a very handsome cousin. Uh, we called him Pretty Ricky. Let me tell you how Pretty Ricky was. <laughs> All right, we would go to parties. You know, we would go to these house parties, and women would walk up to him unsolicited, and they would give him their phone number on a piece of paper. At the wow. end of the evening, we would we would we would meet at his house. You remember, you know, Christopher. Remember Halloween, like how you would sort you separate the good candy from the bad candy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You yeah, did well, that with he, the phone numbers. He, he he did that with the phone numbers. You know, he, this is good candy. <laughs> that's bad candy. This is good candy. This is like, oh man, are you kidding me? So anyway, he knew I liked a girl by the name of Lolita Barnes. Ooh, sounds All right, hot. Chris, I, I I need a moment. I need a moment here. Anyway, she <laughs> was. She became the prom queen. She was also the class uh, valedictorian, so she was smart and she was pretty. And Ricky knew I liked her, and he said, "You know, he said, Eddie, you better, you know, you better ask Lolita out because, you know, these other guys are they're going to ask her out." And I said, "Well, you know, man, she's beautiful, she's smart, she'd never go out with a guy like me." And he he asked me a couple questions. He said, "Eddie, is she going out with you now?" I said, "Well, no." I said, he, and he said, if you ask her and she says no, wish to be going out with you in the future. I said, no. So she's not going out with you now. If, she's, if you ask her, she says no, she won't be going out with you in the future. Is that right? I said, yeah. He says, and then nothing's changed, right? And he says, but Eddie, if you ask her and she says yes, everything changes. Yep. He says, don't you say no before they say no. He says, never take yourself out of the game. And guess what happened? Guess who took Lolita Barnes out on the prom? Pretty Ricky. Pretty Ricky. You, know, <laughs> you, were, you were paying attention, okay? <laughs> no, I'm only kidding, okay? I took her out. And i got to tell wow. you, that was a turning point. But I will yeah. never forget what – and by the way, that's the only good advice I ever got from my cousin, uh, Ricky. <laughs> so he pretty? said, don't you, say, uh, don't you say no before they say no. Never take yeah. yourself out of the game. And because perfect. of that philosophy, that strategy, I, I actually sold a half a billion dollars worth of computers when I was in the computer industry. Wow, that's cra- that's awesome. I mean, that's that's a, that's the what's one of, probably one of the great tips of the of the whole show. It's just, just you know, don't give up before you even start. So many people do that and they wait for things to oh be perfect. Oh my god! Well, let me do this and let me learn this. And let me do this. It's like just get out there and freaking do it, man. Just just yes. try. And just build upon it, and as you go, you learn stuff, and you you know you fall down, and you get back up. You're like, okay, well, don't do that again. And you just, yep. I mean, it's amazing because the time's going to go by, whether you're doing something you love to do and you're trying to do, or I mean, you try to wait, and then it's like, well, it's too late, I don't want to do it, and then you just sit there in a pool of regrets, like I talked about before. <laughs> love that. That's a great expression. Yeah, it is. So, um, so tell us, you know, let's talk about the five common mistakes uh, presenters make because I know uh, I, I I've been a, I've been guilty of a few of these, and I know that uh, you know it, it comes down to what your audience wants and everything. But I'm very uh-huh. interested in hearing about these and, and sharing those. And then I've uh, I got some other questions that I want to talk to you about public speaking. But what's sure. the first common mistake people make, Ed? Well, again, the context here is I typically I I, I coach business presenters. So, for example, like every executive at Hallmark Cards has gone through my program. I've had over 5,000 executives at Johnson & Johnson. So that's the context. I coach business presentations. Okay. So number one is, the number one crime is their, their presentations are too boring. Okay. That's, that's number one. 
And there's this belief that your your information or your data is the most important thing. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on. But number one, their presentations are boring. Number two is there's too much crap on the slides. And you know, people can oh, there's no, there's no such thing as multitasking. If you don't believe me, just Google multitasking and watch the tens of thousands of millions of arguments <laughs> against multitasking. You don't you don't multitask. What you do is you switch back and forth. And even computers don't multitask. What they do is they have what they call simultaneous processing. They process, process two separate computers, process simultaneously. Um, they don't necessarily multitask. So number one, they have too many items. So if you're if you're making a slide, one idea, you know, one thought, and you know maybe one visual or one next step. You know, so you may have like four or five points in your presentation. In that case, it's going to be five slides. Right. And, and if if you have sub ideas, the sub idea only goes on to one slide. So number one, just one thought, one idea. And here, you don't want people focusing on the slide. You want people focusing on you. So you want them, you know, just as few as words as possible, or just have a, a an image, and then that'll force people to focus on you. So that that's the the next uh, mistake that people make. That is that Try is so that, that is so true, Ed. I mean, I, I it still blows my mind this day and age when I go to see somebody presenting and they're like, "Oh, this is the, Chris. You got to see the speaker. You got to see the speaker." And it's like, okay, cool. I always I'm always learning more about what their speaking style is than generally what they're what they're presenting. And it still blows my mind when you see somebody their first slide comes up and you're like, "Holy shit!" They're gonna turn their back to the audience right now and read that word for word, and they do it. And I just mm-hmm. sit there and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna pull my freaking hair out." It's, like yeah. oh I like I can't read that it's it's and that's what you're talking about right exactly and their sli- your slides are not your script yeah you know, your slides are not your script you're not there to you know to read to people you know <laughs> you know so um uh, and again in business it happens a great deal uh, another uh, mistake that people make are what I call trite expressions or cliches. And I, I think I gave you a list in the uh, the articles here, but you know, pouring the Kool Aid, drinking the Kool Aid, thinking thinking outside of the box. I mean, how many times have you heard that one? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and technology, you know, going viral or paradigms and uh, you know, brain dumps and ideation. That that was that was a, that one was really hot for a couple <laughs> of years. You know, hey, let's let's do some ideation. You know, um, and my favorite one is sculpting fog. I have no idea. To this day, what that means, but you know, for a while, it was a really, really popular expression in the business environments. So, take out the trite expressions, take out the cliches. For those of you who are speaking in front of international audience, audiences, here's a bonus: take out Ameri- American idioms. Yeah. For example, if you're speaking in a European country, uh, and the, the the phrase "the whole nine yards" means absolutely nothing there, because in all likelihood, they play soccer; they don't play American football. Mm-hmm. All right. And by the way, the, the expression, the whole nine yards, is not a football expression. It's actually a World War II military expression. And basically what it meant was that during World War II, when they were oh, – if you're in a battleship and you were actually loading the, the cannons with ammunition, you actually had nine yards of gunpowder. So you put in the nine yards of gunpowder, and that's what that expression means. We gave them the whole nine yards, the whole nine yards of gunpowder. Uh, so it's actually a, a wartime expression as opposed to a, a football expression. So take out wow. American idioms. Okay? I didn't even know that. There you huh. go. 
So, so, so um, going back, going back to yeah. when you were talking about too much crap on the slide, you know, yes. I, me personally, I've learned you, the only thing I usually have on a slide is either one word or a picture, something just to, to cause I've got ADD on crack. So I will get lost <laughs> in my presentation real quick. So I just have a slide up there. that has got a, you know, usually it's a bold word or, or some sort of image to, you know, for the visual learners out there. Um, yeah. should, uh, and this is just this, uh, a side question. Should we have our branding on each slide? And this has been a, a topic of discussion that's come up in some of the groups that I belong to. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you see the slide and it's got, you know, your branding on there, your tagline, your website on every single slide. Is that something you agree with or disagree with? I agree with your branding. If you have a logo, mm-hmm. then I would definitely have the logo on every single slide. Um, I, I wouldn't have my tagline on there. I don't think that's necessary. And but what I would do is I would have like it for sometimes what some people do is they'll actually print out copies of their slides and give it to the participants. Right. If you're going to do that, then I would actually have your 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 copyright on every one of those slides and like a little little something that says you know it can only be used with permission. Sure, that's, that's for smart. the handout part. But for the visual piece, I I would not have that up there. Now here's something else. Um, uh, take that back. I would have my website on there, or if you want them to go to LinkedIn, or if you want them to go to Twitter or Facebook, because nowadays people are taking pictures of your slides with yeah. or without your permission. Mm-hmm. So in that case, in that case, yes, you should have you know at least one of your addresses there, so that if they say okay, if there's only one word in a picture and they're telling themselves okay, what exactly does this mean? They'll have to go to your website to figure out what that means. So in that case, I would have your logo, I would have your, your website, and again, for if I'm going to give them a physical copy of it, I would also have my copyright material in there as well. Right. No, that's great advice. I appreciate that. Okay. All right, so uh, lesson number three, mistake number three, is presenting abstractions without specific examples. And what do I mean by that? An abstraction is hiding the details. So, for example, uh, there is a gentleman by the name of S.I. Hawakaka, um, and he, he talks about the four levels of abstraction. Level number four is the broadest. Very few details. For example, let's take the word society. Society can mean almost anything to anyone. There's very mm-hmm. little details whatsoever. Then we, we go down to level three, and that is what he calls a noun class. It's a little bit – it's still a broad group, but there's a little bit more specifics. You know, let's take the expression most people. So we've gone from society to most people. Still not a lot of details. Mm-hmm. Then we go down to level number two, a spoiled child. Okay, now we've got some, you know, a little bit more specifics, and then we have level one. This very specific, uh, you know, my sister Kate. So we started off with society. We've gone to <laughs> most people. We went to a spoiled child, and we got down to my 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 sister Kate. All right, here's a problem. And in most business presentations, most of them are talking level four or level three abstractions, no specifics, and. Uh, very, very broad ideas and concepts, and they don't marry these concepts to a specific example. They're just literally in the clouds. Yep. So I I see this a lot in business presentations. So I'm not suggesting that you don't have an abstract concept, but what you need to do is you need to marry it with a specific example. The flip side of that is some presenters give you a lot of specifics, and, but they don't give you a broad concept. So it actually goes in both directions. So Because some audience members, they want to see, hey, what's the big picture here? Well, you know, right. Where are we going with this? 
So what's what's you know, and, and and sometimes we have people who give way too many details. So it works both directions. We have uh, it's too broad, too abstract, without specifics, or we have too many specifics without the big picture. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically like when when people use generalities. I mean, it's it's basically the same thing. When you use generalities, like oh, everyone believes this way, or you know, you should always do this, or you know, yeah. um, one of the one of the recent things I had that has been bugging me, and I'm not sure where it came from, is you know, people in the, in the, giving their presentation, they'll say like, you know, 75% of all Americans believe this, and unless they're quoting the cider, sometimes they quote it from a from a from a Newsweek report from back in 1996, which is I think is funny. But what's your mm-hmm. take when people use percentages and not the hard numbers? Because I just called somebody out on this recently, and I said, okay, you just said that you know, 20% of the things fail but is that 20 percent is that like one out of a is that well you know, 20 out of 100 what is how is that and mm-hmm. he says well you know it was like uh it was 20 percent of 300 and i said well that's 60 people that's pretty significant you're trying to play it down as not being significant what's your take on that Ed, as far as you know using percentages versus the hard numbers um well it all depends you know i i can't give you a sp- I, I would love to give you a specific ex- example but like you said it varies it, you know, it depends on the sample size, et cetera, and what you're trying to do and, and and where you're trying to go. Now, what I will do is I will, for example, in business presentations, what we teach people is let's let's talk about you know the, the most important things first. If you use percentages, you better be able to back it up, and we we, we want you to back it up in the handout. So if I don't have to talk about the hard numbers then what I will do is in the handout, there will be, number one, where specifically I got this, uh, what was the size of the sample size, et cetera, so that people can actually go there. I don't want people hunting uh, to try to, to replicate what I've already done. Right. So I'll use percentages, but I will also have the facts and the details available if someone challenges me because in a business setting, this happens all the time. So, again, you also have different types of audience members. So you got some people who – they're big picture guys, you know. Think Donald Trump. Okay, maybe that's not the best example, but okay. <laughs> All right, but I mean, but, but Trump, he's a big picture guy, okay. And right. but and you have other people who are more detail oriented. So let's think Bill Gates. Bill Gates, you know, he, although he has big picture, you know, clearly being one of the most successful entrepreneurs ever. But he, he's also a lot more detailed oriented as well, and that's part of his makeup. So you're going to have different types of audience members. So the real question is, what is the you know who are the people going to be in your audience? I tried to hit on um, the four different types of learning styles. You know, you have visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and you also have behavioral styles. You got you know you have drivers, you have uh, fast-paced individuals, you have um, um, you have the analyst, if you will, and then you have uh, what we call uh, they're called socials. And this is 45% of the U.S. you know population, and these are people who are people oriented, but they're also methodical in their approach. I imagine there's four different characters in the audience. So there's a Donald Trump, fast-paced individual. There's an Oprah uh, style, if you will. This is a person who's people oriented, but they're fast-paced. Uh, there is a Mother Teresa, again, 45% of the U.S. population. Uh, they're people oriented, but they're methodical in their approach. And then we have what we call analysts. Uh, and that is the the Bill Gates of the world. So when I'm putting together a presentation, I say to myself, this content, how can it appeal to four, these uh, this presentation? How can it appeal to these four different groups? The Bill Gates of the of the world, they want to know the specifics. They might want to know what is 
you know, as opposed to percentages, they, you have to be exact and precise with them. You just can't make up numbers, and you can't say it's about. You have right. to be very, very specific. You have to give them the exact percentages, and again, the details. And again, mm-hmm. I teach my business clients put the details in a handout. Don't put the details on the slide unless someone, an, an executive, says, "Hey, I want to know the data." Be prepared right. to answer the question. So mm-hmm. hopefully, I'm answering your question. So the answer is oh, yeah. yes. And know your step number one is to know your audience. Who's going to be an audience? Yeah, and, that, and that's a, that's a really brilliant point. I'm glad you brought that up, Ed, because it's actually one of my other one of my other uh, questions. Is is that so many times I see these people giving presentations and they're catering to you know only visual people and not the auditory yep. people, and they're or they're 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 I've called to some and they're just they're totally kinesthetic presenters and they're presenting in a kinesthetic way, and I'm going mm. bonkers mm. because I'm like ADD on crack. I'm like, come on, man, give me some information. Let me see something. What are you gonna do next? Yeah. And he's like, well, so you know, and that's what you and you're just like. Oh my God! So I thought I'm glad you said that because it's so important. That's one of the things I do as a presenter. It's like, okay, how mm-hmm. can I engage? How can I engage the senses? You know, how can I make them see things, feel things, touch things? Mm-hmm. You know, experience it, make it personal, and then also how can I adhere to their learning uh, capability so that they stay engaged? You know, whether it's with some humor or some emotion. But you know, I think that I think that's really really spot on. Ed. that's that's so important. And uh, you know, just the other thing I was going to say is the word things. It's so it's, mm-hmm. it's incredible how many people just in writing and everything else they say things, but it's like, and I caught myself doing this a couple of years ago, and I thought, what's the thing? Why don't I just say what the thing is and yes. just spell it out so there's some there's some uh, some validity and some credibility going on with that. And going back to what you said earlier, there's different types of learning styles, so we we need to put in. All three learning styles. For example, I'm a world champion in public speaking. I'm criticized heavily when I use slides speaking in front of Toastmasters. And they always say, well, hey, you're a world champion in public speaking. You shouldn't need individuals whatsoever. Well, let's see. The dominant learning style on earth, and I, and, and I don't have percentages and numbers because it varies from year to year, uh, let, let's say it's 45%, is visual. That is yep. the dominant Learning style. I think it's higher than that, to be honest with you. It is. Uh, but I'm just going to go conservative. And then the next learning style is auditory. And then the smallest is kinesthetic. And usually that's single digits, you know, anywhere from, you know, let, let's call it like under 10%. That is, a kinesthetic learner is a person who has to, who has to do something, has to talk, has to move, etc. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you, if you were to examine any and all my presentations, you will see that I use all three styles. And the dominant... The, the dominant modality in Toastmasters is auditory, that is speaking. But do you see a problem here? If the dominant modality is, hey, we're going to speak, but the dominant learning style is visual and you have no visuals, is there a problem here? Oh, yeah, it's a complete disconnect. <laughs> Absolutely. And by the way, here's, here's something that most people don't know because I've, I've studied accelerated learning and adult learning. The stickiest of the modalities is kinesthetic. So if you get people to move or you get people to talk to one another, etc., that is the most memorable of all the styles. Now, right. that being said, if you're a kinesthetic teacher, you have to be careful because you will exhaust audiences. Yep. By being overly kinesthetic. You cannot mm-hmm. have to, and I, <laughs> I I learned this the hard way. I I, I have a a new speech I was I was creating. And uh, it was it was called the clearing. I just did this at Lady and the Champs. 
So I thought it would be really, really cool to come up with, and I'm a, I'm a hands-on kinesthetic learner. That's my, my number one modality. And I thought I would come up with these routines where I, the audience would be participating for four of my, uh, five of my lessons. I wanted to, I want everyone to get this. Well, by the time I got done, people were wore out. They were completely, they were so focused on the movement that they were missing the message. And that was right. a lesson for me. So I cut it from five just into one thing. And that was that was all that was needed for that particular message. Awesome, awesome. Give us kick ass tip number four, my friend. Weak openings. This is this drives me crazy. Hi, my name is such and such. Today I'm going to talk to you about blank. Why not come <laughs> why not come up with something creative? Oh yeah. You know, for example, like one of my speeches is Ed, don't get on a plane on Monday. Well what do you mean, Ann? If I don't get on a plane on Monday, I'm gonna miss the conference on Tuesday and Wednesday. Ed, don't get on the plane on Monday. Today's our last day in business. We've laid off all of our employees. At 5 o'clock, we close our doors forever, plane on Monday. Now I'm going to just stop right there. I just Basically, I did several things. Number one, I started off uh, – I used what we call the CSI approach. Have you ever seen that? Any of the television series about CSI? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's New York and Miami and Vegas, and they all begin with the scene of the crime. So in this case, I began with the scene of the crime. I also began with dialogue as opposed to narration. This is another mistake mm-hmm. that people make. They always give their presentations in narration. So anyway, so I'm basically starting off with a, a, a mist. It's called a mystery, a puzzle, or a curiosity. You're actually you're basically starting in the middle of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What it does, it grabs people. It's like, wait a minute, what's going on? Who's who's Anne? You know, what are they talking about? Guess what? Now I've got you. Once I got you, then I can actually backtrack and explain what's going on like a little bit later on. And there are literally hundreds of ways that anyone can open a presentation. There's hundreds of ways that people can close a presentation. But lazy presenters begin with, hi, my name is such and such, and I'm going to talk to you about blank. So for me, that's one of my pet peeves. And uh, and then uh, number five is what I call data dumps. That is, you're dumping data on people. Again, having spent 17 years in technology, this was a common occurrence. And you just get, you are giving people the numbers, the statistics, the data, the etc. But people don't want data. What they want are findings. That's what people want. You know, we mm-hmm. don't. You know, you know. Yeah, we got 20% of this. But you know what we want is we want the findings. What are the insights? What can we gain? from this information exactly. as opposed to what are the actual raw data or the raw number. So what people want are insights. They don't want data. Right. And it, and it really depends, Ed, and, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong, it depends on mm-hmm. where the data is coming from and what that angle of somebody is, is doing. I mean, I've had people tell me because I used to be a suit and tie speaker and getting up there and saying everything. And then, you know, was it three or four mm-hmm. years ago? I was like, you know, I want to do this kick-ass thing and just be me. And people right. are like, oh, you know, studies show, Chris, you know, that that's just your, your, your secret. And I'm like, well, yeah, studies also show if you have a niche, you get rich because people sit there yep. and say, wow, that's something <laughs> different. Let me, let me check that out. So, I mean, that's my always thing is people will, will start, you know, co- commenting on data and talk, commenting on this. I'm like, okay, well, is that written by your ideal target market? Is that written by somebody that you admire and you respect? Or is that mm-hmm. somebody that just pulled shit out of their ass and just went, like, well, I think I'm just going to say this and I'm going to become the America's expert on whatever. It's, you know, that's why I always mm-hmm. caution people about being careful with that and questioning that and taking a look at it because 
in my personal experience, when I put people to the test on that, uh, they don't really necessarily know what they're talking about. They're just trying to be appearing to be an expert, and it's like, um, yep. yeah, no, that 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 doesn't that doesn't happen. Um, so, what are uh, what are some of the resources you're using today, Ed? You know, as far as books, uh, seminars, webinars, people you're looking to to help you become a better presenter and a better speaker and a better businessman. You know, I, I let's see, I'm just going to talk about other people's resources other than my own, because because sure. um, my purpose here isn't to sell anybody anything here. Uh, I love Chip and Dan Heath, you know, the the Heath brothers, and Heath brothers, in terms I'm of presence. Okay, so the, the one of the best presentation skills books, in my opinion, that's been written in the last decade is called Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. Made to and, Stick. Yeah, it, it literally has duct tape on it. And, it, and the subtitle is <laughs> Why Some Ideas Survive and Other Ideas Die. Ooh. It is a brilliant book on how to breathe life into your presentations, be it a business presentation or a keynote speech, etc. Basically, they're teaching you six elements as to how you can make your messages sticky. So I think that's a very, very, uh, very, very powerful book, and I really, really enjoy that book a, a great deal. They're, and they also have a follow-up book about decision-making. It's, uh, it's also by Chip and Dan Heath. It's called Decisive and How to Make Better Choices in Life and at Work. Mm, perfect. And let's see. So those are some good presentation skills books. Uh, other books I'm reading right now, just you know, in terms of making your life simple, uh, uh, there's a book I just I'm just I'm looking in my library right now, and the author's name eludes me right now. But it's called Succeeding When You're Supposed to Fail. Ooh. Succeeding When You're Supposed to Fail. And this book is awesome. And I, I apologize I don't have it at my fingertips right now. But they talk at a, they talk about this this phenomenon of. You know, you have people who come from deprived neighborhoods, and it doesn't matter if they're black, white, or whatever, but they just don't have – they don't have a silver spoon, right? And what is it about these people that makes them successful? Well, they've actually studied this, and the, and the, the actual numbers are in there for you, Christopher. So, <laughs> again, I don't have the book right in front of me. <laughs> but they've Bob actually Rathen studied this. And uh, Rene Ruiz. Well, actually, yes, it's by oh, I love this book. Well, anyway, what they did, there was a couple elements. Number one, uh, and these individuals, they had a mentor. They had one person in their life who made a difference. It could be their mother. It could be a coach. It could be a sister. It could be a brother. It could be anybody. But one person made a, a, uh, a difference in their life. The other thing is that, they again, they looked at the wall. They looked at the door. They looked at the obstacle as not an obstacle. They looked at it as a challenge. It's a puzzle to be solved. So anyway, so those are three um, books that I highly recommend. I'm enthusiastic. I'm passionate about it that people should get their hands on. Awesome, awesome, Ed. Well, I, I can't even believe this, but the hour is almost up. I just, I mean, I knew, I knew you and I would have a lot to talk about with speaking and communication and, and helping people. Where can people continue the conversation with you, Ed? What's your website? What's your contact information where they can continue this conversation? Okay, well, they can uh, just you know go to edtate.com. Uh, and if you want to send me an email directly, you can send it at info at edtate.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and you can find me on Facebook as well. So, and awesome. YouTube, you name it. So just you know, it, it's real simple. Ed uh, E D T A T E dot com, and all my social media is uh, on my website. 
Awesome, awesome, Ed. I thank you so much for being on the Kick-Ass Radio Show. For you guys that are driving, listen to your mobile devices. I know you are. Uh, all this information will be available on the kickassradioshow.com webpage, so you can find Ed Tate's uh, contact information. Again, for this hour you've been listening to him, I know you can feel and understand and respect his legitimacy as a professional speaker, trainer. So if you're at all interested about taking your presentation skills to the next level, the next kick-ass level, I really, really encourage you to uh, to contact Ed. He's a, he's a personal mentor of mine, and uh, and I appreciate you so much being on here on the show, Ed, because what you what you just talked about is stuff that we can all do. And I think the core thing that we talked about is just you know getting out of your own way and just getting out there and, and, and just letting go of some of this stuff and making your dreams happen. And, and and putting away the the past experiences of like oh last time I got up and spoke you know people stared at me well people are going to stare at you because they're going to be judging you and they're going to be judging you and there's nothing you can do about it but when you get up there and you're you're speaking passionately that's when you're making a difference in the world and I think that's what we all want to do in our own particular niche so again Ed thank you so much for being on the Kickass Radio Show I look forward to seeing you speak again and uh, and following your adventures and staying in touch with you and for all my listeners out there thank you so much for all the cards and the letters and the emails and letting me know about the show. Uh, we're going to continue to rock this. We're booked through uh, September with guests. I mean, it's amazing. I've got guests coming out of the woodwork for me. So, again, thank you guys all for listening. Thank you. Have a kick-ass week. Make sure you apply what we've been talking about tonight. And if there's anything I could do to help you, just let me know. Info at thekickassradioshow.com. Until next week, I wish you guys all a kick-ass week. Ed, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Good night. Hi, my name's uh, Jeremy. I was just listening to you on the Kick-Ass Radio Show, and I just wanted to say that I was really inspired by you. I really appreciate it. I'm not sure if you understand me, but I'm talking like Gilbert Gottfried here. <laughs> hey, Ed, it's Christopher. I'm just messing with you. I just wanted to call and say thank you. I usually do a little post-follow-up call. Thank my guests. Uh, I'm sure you're busy and jamming, but uh, anyways, thanks again, brother. I really, really appreciate it. And whenever you're ready to do your radio show, you know, if there's anything I can do to be of help, uh, let me know. Um, had a great time with you on the call. I truly appreciate it. I know you're busy and uh, look forward to talking and, and keeping in touch, my friend. So, um, as always, you have my personal cell phone number. It's 714-308-6765. Um, and I appreciate it, man. Have a great night. and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.
Yeah, hello, this is Norman. <laughs> What's up, Ed? Of course! That's my second favorite thing to do with people is keep them on their toes. <laughs> no, no problem. I was just I was just I left you a message and then I saw your email and I was just sending you a link to the show. It'll it goes to podcasts in probably about an hour or so. So I'm just going to shoot you the link. And actually, the link for the show that I sent you earlier is actually the same one. But I'm sending also the link to iTunes. So if you want to go back in there and uh, and promote it there, um, definitely, definitely. I appreciate it again. It was a blast. I always love talking to people who, you know, you just you know when you have those conversations with people where you're just in sync with each other and it just feels good. And Because sometimes, honestly, they're out of 119 shows. There have been some shows where I've been five minutes into it and went, Wow, we got another uh, 45 minutes. Okay, how we're we gonna do this? And yeah, but no, I love it. I love it when I literally look at the. Uh, I have an on on onboard um, countdown number, and it just and I'm like, holy crap, we only have 10 minutes left. But thanks. Thanks. No, I, I, I have a big, big passion for it. And uh, you know, it's funny because I was going to ask you. I wanted to ask you offline. You know, uh, one of the one of the questions I had was, you know, doing JVs. I know that um, Lady in the Champs is no longer around. What is your What is your take on JVs? Because I've had some people approach me recently. They're seeing, you know, my success and stuff like that. And for some reason, I'm just like I've always been a lone wolf, and I want to do things myself because I've heard so many horror stories about. Oh yeah, it seemed like it was going to be a great idea, and then something happened, and legalities and contracts. What's your What's your thought on JVs at this point? Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's confidential. Oh, 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate you sharing that. It's a. Uh, I've had some people in the past where I'm like, it's it's been so interesting because I'm like, mm, it doesn't feel right in my gut, and then you know, two days later, I'm getting hate mail from. It's like. Oh, I'm glad I really like. I'm glad I trusted my gut because you seem like a total douche. You know, it's it's just uh, it just and I've just seen so many of my friends get burned. Actually, I know a lot of people in the music industry and bands and stuff like that. And it's like, oh wow, you got hung out to dry or, um, yeah. It's just that's why I just kind of like stick to myself. But uh, no, I, I appreciate all you're doing. And whenever you're in California, you're going to be doing any speaking stuff like that. I know you do a lot of corporate training. You know, hit me up. Glad to go out and have lunch with you. Uh, go check you out and uh, and support everything you're doing. Oh, how funny! Um, that's my—he's my boss, and he is—he uh, has announced his retirement. He is going to be retiring uh, at the end of this month, which is breaking my heart. Yeah, he's—he's—he's—he's he's, he's, uh, he's hanging it up. He's got stuff, uh, family situations going on. He wants to tend to, and his uh, his wife says, you know, you're going to work there until you die, and then leave us nothing. And so he made the tough call, and uh, you know, so now I'm going to have a new boss and stuff like that, but. I'm working harder and harder to transition out of corporate life and then do what I love to do. But the adoption thing is definitely throwing a kink in that. But uh, yeah, no, Dana's awesome. He's he's fantastic. Do you want me to tell him hi? Isn't it crazy? I would love to have you come back. Unfortunately, they uh, the company's changed. Honestly, Ed, the the corporate culture's changed quite a bit, and it's funny because we're an educational. Uh, institution teaching people how to scuba dive and continuing your education, but Patty does a horrible job on doing that for us. I remember we've had we had you come in, and then we had uh, Dale Carnegie course years and years and years and years ago. But there is literally well, actually we had Chef Hiken in for uh, about an hour. Uh, he came in as a personal favor to one of my my friends who's a sales rep there at Patty. He came in and talked about his customer service experience. Um, but other than that, they haven't they haven't uh, invested in for us to uh, to continue our education and grow. Uh, I always do. I mean, I'm constantly doing stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's you know, it's just like oh, we can't afford it. It's like well, you can't afford not to. <laughs> I will. I will add. Cool. Awesome. Thanks again, brother.